Hello there. Welcome to the Open Agenda podcast with me, Will Luca, and my co-host, Nat Schaefer. We are both journalism graduates from the University of Gloucestershire, decided to come together and start a podcast. We aim to be conversational and topical, discussing the subjects we take a great interest in, such as current affairs, politics, the media, and conversations about everyday life. We hope you enjoy the episodes we release. And don't forget to check us out on social media, at Open Agenda Pod on Twitter. Well, hello, Nat. Hey, Will. Hello. <laughs> nice to see you. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's been a few weeks, hasn't it? Yeah. And we're here to sort of, sort of, sort of relaunch a little bit. Yeah, we're, we're raring yeah. to get back into it, aren't we? Yeah. How have you been? I've, I've been okay. Um, just getting on with work. Um, mm. Sort of just been going on, really. How about yourself? Well, I've been really looking into getting my blog back up to speed again. That's oh, yeah. something I've been doing the last couple of yeah. weeks. Do you want to tell the um, listeners where they can find your blog? They can, yeah, that's a good point. You can find my blog, uh, Call Me Will. It's callmewill.wordpress.org. If I've said that right, I hope <laughs> I don't have it in front of me, but that's, that's, that's where you can find it. But I'm hoping to, to get that back up to speed in the next couple Great. of weeks. But for this episode now, we're, yeah. we're, we're, as, as a little bit of a relaunch, we're focusing on climate change for this for this episode because COP26 has mm. been and gone. But yeah. in actual fact, climate change was COP26 in Glasgow was really, really important. Yeah, Climate change goes beyond then. It goes... Mm. For the entire planet, it's not just about a conference. No. It's about the action that needs to happen post-conference. So to talk about it now, I suppose the first question really to ask ourselves is what was your, what was our take of, of, of COP26, how it went, how, it, how the world will perceive it as a success, as a failure? Was it a cop-out? That's been the, the, the pun that's been used quite a lot. <coughs> Uh, in the last two weeks what about you now how, how how would you sum it up um yeah i think i think some of those are sort of legit um descriptions because the promises haven't been made that should have been made really in an ideal world like you know the uk is pledging net zero by 2050 and then uh i it's either India or China is planning to be coal-free at least by 2070, um, and 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 that is a long way off. And we ideally need to be um, hitting those targets sooner. Um, but I think I think there are complexities to it because obviously India at the moment relies very heavily on coal, and so it'd take them longer to um, to move away from coal than. Um, a country like ours um, so that there are complexities to it I guess but um, overall yeah um, it's not quite the um, not as promising as we'd hope that it would be to a lot of us 
Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think there was a lot of hope going into it, and on the other other end of the road, mm. I suppose you could you could say is that there there was some hope, but also a tinge of disappointment, particularly with the the, the language which was was changed at the last minute from phasing out coal mm. to phasing down. I think that yeah. was the, the thing that's really put a bit of a dampener on it, really, but. Mm. I suppose we have to just specify what was actually agreed at COP26. And don't yeah. forget, this agreement is, it's not legally binding, the agreement of COP26, it, but it's its going to set the agenda, which is what our podcast <laughs> is about, the open agenda. It's going to really tackle head on what mm. countries need, their targets yeah. to combat climate change, because... I think, as we all know, climate change is there for us all to see. The science tells us there's no mm. point denying it because it's staring us right in the face now. That's that's the most important thing to say. Indeed. But what was agreed now? What was agreed? Emissions, emissions. Uh, the, the, the main thing is to try and keep temperatures within 1.5 yeah. degrees Celsius, mm. which, of course, the scientists are saying mm. we need that to prevent a catastrophe that they're labeling as catastrophe because it is of mm. course global, global warming is affecting the planet as we speak yeah. and of course as i mentioned coal countries as, as i say countries like india and china have agreed uh, a weaker commitment that's that's the word isn't it it's a weak commitment to say phase down instead of phase out mm. coal it's yeah but that's that's china and india isn't mm. it now yeah, but like like I say, like it might be harder for them. I can sort of have a little bit of sympathy because if it's if they're so dependent on coal that phasing out is just unrealistic for decades, basically, I can kind of can can you know understand that to a certain extent. But but yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a um a disappointment for sure. And it's also this question about developing countries. Yeah. I mean, I I think of developing countries as an example. Um, some, some you'd have to say some some countries, of course, Af Africa is the poorest continent, of course, we mm. all know that. Um, but I think that's been one of the difficulties is that the trillion dollar a year fund from 2025, mm. after the previous pledge back in, in 2015 for the Paris Agreement was that richer countries like ourselves here in the UK to provide a billion dollars or 72 billion pounds in our money mm. a year by 2020 was missed. I think obviously the pandemic has played its part as well. But yeah. I think, what, what, what about that now? Is that there's got to be something hard here because we know that to pay for countries that are suffering from climate change, it is the onus on richer countries to do more to, yeah. to help smaller countries out india and china to help out say yeah. bangladesh for example that would be one example but for all of us to to help out i suppose that nat is the yeah. the sticking point here are we as a country and as mm. as other countries like the us are we willing to give away our money to help other countries i would suggest probably our population mm. there, there were that lots of polls I know yeah. you probably should take a 
opinion polls with a pinch of salt, but the majority of our population aren't so keen on on uh, the aid budget, for example. So that's the difficulty. This is this is the real sticking point. Yeah. And what about you? Um. Yeah, and I, I don't know whether some of that sort of feeling, um, popular feeling, is because people haven't been informed enough or, or clearly enough about you know why it's important for countries like ourselves to supply aid to um to developing countries so that they can um decarbonize and become more sustainable uh, i don't know whether if that had been you know driven home more clearly to people um that they would that they would be more sort of supportive of it um or if they can actually see where their money is going then um because i think like that is in in general one reason why some people are less supportive of the tax system is because they don't don't see where it's all going they don't um know what they are paying for basically i suppose maybe more transparency could help yeah with that in terms of where we know where our money will go right but there was there was another opinion poll and again i say it i say that you shouldn't always take opinion polls seriously but the vast majority of people i think it was sky news did a poll didn't they one one in three people of our population aren't mm. so keen on taxes being raised to fund our fight against climate change that's that's quite a lot the thing which is difficult yeah, yeah. surprised it's that high but another thing which was agreed was fossil fuel subsidies world leaders agreed to phase out subsidies that artificially lower the price of coal oil or natural gas or natural gas i should say mm. um but no firm dates have been set about that but there was one thing that which we must point out that something else that was agreed in Glasgow. and i suppose that this is the thing which caught people by surprise a little bit i'd say is that the us and china did actually form an agreement the, the the world's they are the world's biggest co2 emitters and the us and china pledged to cooperate more over the next decade now there's always been this argument that because president xi didn't turn up that china obviously aren't that interested and obviously mm. president putin didn't turn up for russia um but negotiators did turn up so something has been agreed between the us and china that is a, yeah. a success out of all this i suppose sort of promising yes and there's also this point that we've i've seen quite a few moments now on the news is that the chinese communist party are actually telling people of china that climate change is a problem i mean we only have to see that the, the catastrophic floods that took place across china a couple of months i think it was last month wasn't it um images of yeah fairly recently yeah images of of, of train stations becoming mm. like rivers um yeah there's something that is key here that China and the United States are talking to to each other on climate change, and mm. that can only be seen as a good thing. That it it, it can, yeah, um, because again, what we need is cooperation between countries or blocks of countries um, 
in efforts to um, to decarbonize. Um, so for two of the sort of biggest in the world's big superpowers, um, one of which we've identified as being quite a heavy polluter, if not the other one too, for them to come together and, and you know strike a bit of an agreement. That's even if that doesn't bear fruit immediately, it's still um, still quite a good foundation to build from. I think another point to make is that does it did it really matter that President Xi didn't come to Glasgow? Did it? Do you think it mattered, Nat? Because for me, as long as the the negotiators were there, hmm. I suppose it's just images. Like the image of of a world leader coming to Glasgow yeah. to be diplomatic. I suppose yeah. that's the thing that was missing from the conference. Hmm. Yeah, and I don't know whether actually having them there in person sort of makes it clearer what's being agreed or what um, steps are going to have to be taken, um, as opposed to when it's just negotiators sat around the table. I don't know. Yeah, and some some of the things that were announced in terms of other measures that that were uh, things that things that were agreed on included things like trees leaders from more than 100 countries with about 85 percent of the world's forests promised to stop deforestation by 2030 mm. of course trees absorb vast amounts of co2 that's why we need to stop chopping down trees yeah. um and of course another person who wasn't there another world leader wasn't there was bolsonaro of brazil mm. um again which is a bit of a just a bit of a disappointment um Methane, a scheme to cut 30% of methane emissions by 2030 was agreed by, again, more than 100 countries. Of course, yeah. the science is that methane is responsible for a third of human-generated warming. And the big emitters are China, Russia, and India. Hmm. Um, and of course, in terms of how the conference was run, Alok Sharma, the the, the the COP president, of course, still a, he's still an MP. He'll mm. go back to being an MP. Um, yeah. I, I, I probably point out that he probably made the best of it he possibly could um, in terms of chairing the whole mm. thing. Yeah, I've, I've seen people... Sort of, sorry, I've seen people sort of... Um, yeah, saying that he did a really good job of it. Yeah, I think that there's a consensus that 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 was how I mean I saw um, the shadow business secretary uh, at Miliband was 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 praising him a little bit about that this is a man who obviously does care about this. Um, but now I suppose one thing I have to ask and just to get us thinking with is that whether how the world leaders travelled there by yeah. plane because <laughs> this is the big thing which people mm. talk about saying they want us. They want to tell us to, to fly less, and yeah. yet they continue to fly. They had mm. uh, they had the G twenty uh, a few days before in Rome. Boris yeah. Johnson had to travel from Rome to Glasgow. So private jets and that mm. flying. World leaders could the COP twenty six summit have been held on Zoom? Um, it could have done. Um, although I. I as with my point about sort of world leaders and attending these things in person, I don't know whether some of the 
um, whether it is harder to sort of um, collaborate and you know, properly work together when you're just talking over a screen um, rather than actually getting to meet together. Um, and if, if the thing was about meeting together, like were there not other ways that leaders could have um, come to Glasgow? Like could they not have, this is gonna sound probably a bit, um, um, <laughs> a bit basic, but could they not have like come on the train or like on the channel tunnel um, or sort of coming by boat? I, I, this is all sounding a bit, um, a little bit out there and a bit um, bonkers probably, but, but I, I do think it's, well, in, sorry, gone. Well, I think that, here's my take on it, I think. First of all, how would Joe Biden get to the UK via the, the States? You can't exactly go across the Atlantic because that would take him quite a long time. So what I think is that you see so many times, particularly in our media, yeah. uh, commentators saying they're just hypocrites, that we're just uh, they fly too much to get around to places. But I'm thinking, how else are they meant to get there? How else, how mm. else is Joe Biden meant to get to an important summit in, in China yeah. if that were to happen or something? If they were mm. to meet President Xi or to meet Putin in Russia, yeah. how would they get or how would he get to, to, to other parts of the world? Mm. Um, I sort of think mm. that criticising that is just doing it on purpose as an excuse just to say, yeah, it's just... I don't know. Mm. It's just until planes become electric, yeah, or emit less, mm. then what else can you do? Mm. Really? Yeah, actually, thinking about it, a lot of the criticism that I've seen hasn't really been, um, it's not been that people like Biden, um, who've had to fly and they've had no, no other option, really, it's been like. Boris Johnson getting a plane from Glasgow to London um, when he could conceivably have had other um, ways of traveling there. That's that's the main one that I've sort of, and I mean, obviously, you're, you know, if you're prime minister, you've obviously got a lot to be getting on with. And so you, you don't want to be traveling probably for longer than you have to. Um, but it is, it's, I think it is sort of a, a something of a valid um, point, like leaders that are nearer, that are sort of closer by. Like, what's to stop them from travel using other means of transport? Yeah, I think that's that is fair. But of course, when you think about it, if Boris Johnson had travel from london to glasgow by yeah. the train we all know that our train services are pretty rubbish <laughs> so that's that's the thing mm. uh even if, if, even if somebody get... drove him there like it'd probably be a lot um fewer emissions yeah but you mentioned boris johnson flying home yeah or flying back to london from glasgow and who did he have to go meet he had to go and meet some uh, some sort of dinner at a place and who was mm. there from the Daily Telegraph is Charles Moore <laughs> who is really really sceptic about climate change and that's exactly mm. what 
is the problem. Yeah. That's a good that's a good thing to talk about now. Yeah, yeah. Because moving on away from COP, how would you sum up the way it's been covered by our media? Um, and I say the media, mm. I mean specifically broadcasters and 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 probably local papers as well, particularly in Glasgow. Mm. I think my my view, before I let you answer sure. the question, I thought BBC actually did pretty well in terms mm. of in terms of capturing it. Um, I think Sky News had a good, good COP26 as well. Um, and in terms of the papers, I think that I did see quite a few pieces from a local angle. I, I pick up the, the Yorkshire Post, for example, hmm. um, that they wrote some pieces on, on COP26, how it affects Yorkshire, because of course Yorkshire got flooded pretty badly before our last general election. Um, hmm. So they deeply care about climate change. So now, what, what would you, how would you sum up the way the media um, and our, our broadcasters and, and local papers um, covered COP? Mm. Yeah, I, I thought the BBC did quite a good job of it. Um, they, they were sort of the main one that I was following. Um, I, I don't really know too much about the locals. Um, our, our local here in North Somerset was a bit sort of cautiously optimistic shall we say but they, they they understood that this was an important summit um but also weren't totally confident even going into it that that we could get a good um sort of deal at the end of it yeah and i think obviously bbc local regional uh, news and local mm. radio stations were covering COP26 to give it a local angle to, to yeah. talk about how climate change affects. And I have to also point out that it wasn't just news uh, platforms that were talking about COP26. The, the, some sports mm. um, websites were talking about how climate has sport and climate change link. Um, again, good. BBC Sport did a good job. I saw the yeah. athletic uh, sports website, which covers football and American sports. They would, had some coverage of of COP26, but I'll point out one reason why sport and climate change mixes, because if we have more extreme weather and we flood more, then it can affect football grounds, football mm. as a sport. Um, yeah. I, I remember Gloucester City, Gloucester City Football Club got, their, their stadium mm. was flooded quite a long time ago now, 2007, so, but they're back with a new stadium. Mm. And you think that it does link and also yeah. climate change with sport and also how we live our lives whether mm. we have to change our eating habits as well yeah. so there lots of things were linked mm. and that was really really good to see that that happen yeah <clears throat> I, I, I think it is important that um and i'm not saying they don't already but um that the media um sort of outlines how the climate crisis would affect or is affecting every aspect of life basically so um this is a, a lot of um it's not always easy for us to especially things like this on a big scale it's not always easy for us to sort of connect the dots and think you know how is this going to affect me how am i going to what am i going to have to do differently because of this but if you know you've got the travel publications and the sports um broadcasters and and everyone giving their own sort of local um outlook of it 
I think you're, you're going to have a lot more people paying attention. Me. I suppose one final thing to talk about now is mm. just just to round this 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 episode off because yeah. obviously it's great to be back to, to mm. talking to you. Yeah. But Same. how much of an impact do you reckon activists have had? Because obviously Greta Thunberg is is, is the poster girl of, of, of climate change. She's been on yeah. the front of Time magazine, of course. Mm. Um, going going on I'll, I'll answer that question. How, how do you how do you think activists have played their part? Because protests, mm. demonstrations a key um mm. they they've played their part and they they continue to to speak and they obviously need to have their voices heard yeah, yeah and um totally and I, I think a lot of people have um sort of woken up to the the urgency of the climate crisis because of um the work of people like greta and people like um extinction rebellion <coughs> sort of really um penetrated over the last few years but um as far as actually making change I'm, I'm not really totally convinced because um obviously it depends sort of who is in power who's in government but when, when i when i hear people like boris johnson or uh alex sharma even talking about sort of the uk's measures to address the climate crisis i don't really hear activists getting referenced that much I, um so I'm, I'm not really sure what do you think well well i think you make a valid point then now because if you remember when greta thunberg visited westminster i think it was 2018 i think off the top of my head or it might have been okay. the year before mm. she met jeremy corbyn she met caroline lucas the former yeah still current Green Party MP. She met uh, Tim Farron, I think, was still the leader of the Lib Dems by then, or it might have been Joe Swinson by then, I can't remember. But um, mm. Theresa May didn't meet her. No. Didn't, I didn't think she turned up for that meeting. Mm. And Boris Johnson has never met her. So. Mm. But I suppose one final point now, just talk about Greta Thunberg as, mm. as, a, as, as an activist, climate activist. There's no doubt that she has voice and it's yeah. a respectable voice and a voice mm. that we must hear because she has every every entitlement to voice her, yeah her concern and the need to combat climate change but she isn't a scientist but how much can we trust her Sometimes, because I did, I, there was it's one one audience member on Question Time a couple of mm. days ago, I think, I think it was last week, who said that I don't really trust Greta Thunberg to, to to tell the truth. I don't know what you think. Well, I mean, she's obviously very passionate about all this, um, and so that sort of suggests to me that you know she's done the research, she's done the homework, um, and obviously she's met with you know experts and scientists all over the world um who who other people are listening to like you you have you know people in government and even members of the public who'd have no problems listening to the scientists that Greta's obviously been listening to um so just when it's packaged in like this sort of slightly offbeat teenage girl it's that they're, they're sort of less inclined to 
you know that they're less given to paying attention to it um but I, I think she's done as i say she's done the research she's you know looked in all the right places and i don't i don't personally see much reason to doubt her in that way so i thought so i thought when i heard that the audience members say i don't trust it saying mm. that i thought because you just don't want to because <laughs> you just don't because yeah. you're just not interested mm. but i will leave this episode with with a, with an important thing that is sure. that I, i've spoken about opinion polls yeah about what the public think mm. and so many opinion polls come out about what do the vast majority of the uk population think about climate change how serious do they take it yeah and poll after poll there's always a consensus that this is a problem mm. governments need to tackle it yeah and the, the mood the public mood for change to combat this crisis mm. is there and it's going to be there when we come to our next election yeah and what happens in the future yeah and i i, I think in listening to people um both people i've met and people that i've sort of read online or in the paper they, they all seem to recognize it's an issue um so just and and one that is getting talked about nationally which is a good thing so yeah um the, the thing i guess will be sort of keeping that sort of momentum going keeping talking about it into the next election and that is how journalism can play its part which is what yeah. we're both familiar with so yeah indeed there's there's there, i'm sure there are many episodes in the future for us to talk about climate change and it begins mm. with hopefully a new episode to come very very soon so we'll, we'll keep right. everybody on tenter hooks for that one yeah but for now on that i have to say thank you for mm. relaunching our podcast it's sort of a little bit of a relaunch because <laughs> mm. we've been away for quite a while yeah. but we're, we're, we're getting back into the swing of things and we're really happy to mm. yeah and who knows, you might get a message from us just to say, come on to our podcast and talk about things. Whatever you want. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Will. It's been great thank to you know. get back on it. Get back on it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for joining me. Mm, yeah. And, and thank, thank you, you for listening. For listen. Yeah, thank you for listening. Mm. And don't forget, you can check us on social media at Open Gender Pod. Yeah. And of course, we're on wherever you get your podcasts mostly spotify is where i get it but i mm. always post a link for for anchor fm so thank you to those cool. who listen thank you yeah, thanks guys see you next, see you next time, time.